What about portrayals of Jesus in movies is so dangerous? If there isn't forgiveness without the shedding of blood, then how did Jesus forgive before he died? And was there any death in the Garden of Eden? The answer is when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible commentary so that we may know the Word of Christ and live in the will of God. Tell all your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. And once again, it's Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. Sorry about our episode being a little bit later today. A little late. We were both exhausted Thursday. Uh-huh. Becky had already ruled herself out. Yep. She wasn't going to be able to be on the broadcast. Nope. So it was going to be left up to me, but then I have to drive back over to the church to do it. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know that I'm getting back home. Right? I was pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> so... I opted not to do it. But then Becky said, well, hey, if you don't do it tonight, then we can both do it tomorrow. That's right. We're still just putting out a little shorter episode for you today, though, because we've left the kids with her parents. Mm-hmm. Thank you <laughs> and for watching them. There are, there are two potential pitfalls, though. Yes. Either her parents will go crazy. It, it, which is very very true. There's that possibility. It's, it's a possibility. <laughs> or our kids will be so ridiculously sugared up by the time we get home. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a very, very true possibility. <laughs> so we're going to keep this a little short. I think you might be able to understand. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to do any, um, any The Chosen review this week. We'll come back right. to that again well, I will I will next week. Right. Maybe. <laughs> We've got our workshop this week. Right. This coming week. It's it's gonna be a little bit tight of a schedule for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, we've got the expository workshop that's hosted here at First Baptist Church in Lindale. We this is the the biggest workshop we've ever done here mm-hmm. we've got 99 pastors i think it is that are coming in yeah and uh, including all of our volunteers and everything we're trying to feed 110 people yep <laughs> it's exciting yeah we're it's going to be awesome i take it back we've got 88 pastors coming in but with all of the small group leaders it's 99 oh okay and then adding in our volunteers it's about 110 people very cool i think that's what we're sitting at i think that's how that goes so i'm leading a group i'm also doing part of the talk of course pastor tom is leading all of it mm-hmm. uh mike riccardi is going to be here Yay. so becky's trying to sneak in and I am. Catch a couple of times (laughs) that Mike's going to be talking. And then coming up in, oh, when is this? This is June. So I had said at the start of the year Uh that I did not think there were going to be any women's expository conferences this year. Right. That was probably something we were going to do in 24. Well, Tom didn't tell me. He had been working behind the scenes to get one of these together. The very first one is going to be at Praise Mill. uh, Praise Mill. Praise Mills. Praise Mill. Anyway. The the church that Josh Bice pastors, uh-huh. just to the west of Atlanta, right? Douglasville is where it's located. That's going to be in June. Yes. But it's already sold out. It is. <laughs> now, I knew about it last week, but I didn't want to mention it on the broadcast last week because our own ladies from our church had not yet registered, and I didn't want to get everybody else registered <laughs> <laughs> before we could get our ladies registered for it, and then yeah. they would run out of room. Right. I, th- I think there's a waiting list right now. They're thinking there about is. adding another group, but yeah. yeah, for the most part, it's it's sold out. Yep. It is. So this conference is I did is not booked. get on the bandwagon No, either. you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> this, this one's booked. This workshop's filled up. 
the women's workshop in June is filled up. Yep. But anytime you see some of these expository workshops come up on the on the schedule, get on those. It'll be exciting. I, I'm telling you, it does not matter how long you've preached. Yeah. You're a preacher of 50 years. Yep. There's still something for you to learn at this. It, hugely beneficial. And not just that, but you're making network. Uh, you're, you're, you are networking with some great expository guys. Mm-hmm. Some good preachers that are committed to the word of Christ and filling up the people of God with the word of God. Yeah, getting the church together. That's right. So thank you so much for all your support of this workshop that we've got coming up next week and be praying for us. Yes, please. As we have these pastors coming in to learn how to rightly handle the word of truth. Amen. Second Timothy 2.15. Let's get to some questions. This being Friday, Yeah. we do our question and answer Q&A taking questions from the listeners, and you can send those questions to when we understand the text at gmail.com. This first one's actually a comment. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> this first one's a comment from a what video. It was one of the videos where I was doing the follow-up and I'm talking to the camera. Okay. So you're seeing my face uh-huh. and, and responding to some comments. One of the EXT ones. Yeah, EXT from that channel. W-W-U-T-T-E-X-T. <laughs> There's two channels. So yes. this is John who is saved by grace. That was his handle. Awesome. And he says, wow, so your voice is real. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised. <laughs> I know I get to listen to it all day. <laughs> I love it. I don't know if she's saying that uh, genuinely or. Uh... Of course it's genuine. <laughs> You're still laughing like you don't believe it. I am. I'm just just giving you a hard time. I'm sure the kids are rolling their eyes. Yeah, dad talking. We hear dad's voice all All the the time. time. Yes. So this one's from Scott, and he says, how was the Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce? Oh, it was great. We haven't used it yet. I haven't used the Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce. You didn't use it last night? No, no, no. So last night Wait I... Wait a second, back up. Yeah. What Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce? Okay, then? so the, the bag of licorice that I gave you... Oh, yeah. That uh-huh. came from Scott. Right, okay. And he also sent this bag of jelly beans over here. Oh, cool. And he also sent me a Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce. Oh. But I told him I had to figure out what I wanted to put on it because we hadn't done like a pork loin in a while. Uh-huh. Around the holidays, everybody's feeding us. So right. we've, we've had lots of good food come into our house. Oh, yes. <laughs> Definitely. I still have to figure out what I want to put this sauce on. Last night, I made some Dr. Pepper chili. Yes. But when I make Dr. Pepper chili, I pour Dr. Pepper into the chili. It right. didn't have Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce in it. Okay, okay. I'm following now. And sometimes I add just like a tablespoon of barbecue sauce. It just kind of gives a little bit of a smoky flavor to to chili. But I didn't, it wasn't the Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce. I didn't add any barbecue sauce to the chili last night at all. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, right now I've got this bottle donated by Scott of Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce, which I've never used before. Thank you very much. And we've got to figure out what to put on it. Yeah. Put put it on. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Unless we want a meal that's mostly Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce. You know. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I have a little bit of tea with my sugar. You yes. Know, that's <laughs> yep. You have a little Southern bit of coffee with tea. your creamer? Yeah, no, that's you. I know that's me. You have a little coffee with your creamer. <laughs> Next question. I had one in here from Conan. I wonder where that went. Where did Conan's question go? Oh, here it is. <laughs> Hello, my friends. I haven't Hello. watched a single episode or clip of The Chosen. Ugh. 
The only thing that I've heard is the audio clips that you've played in the last two weeks. Mm. I just have to say it. When I hear the accent of Jesus, all I can hear is Nacho Libre. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Even if the show was biblically accurate and didn't have its myriad of theological problems, I still would not be able to take it serious when I keep expecting to hear him ask Chancho if he can borrow some sweats. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Or tell people to save him a piece of that corn for later. (laughs) I pray you're all doing well and that the Lord continues to bless what? And First Baptist of Lindale. I'm sorry if that has now ruined. I mean, you shouldn't have a wonderful experience watching The Chosen anyway. <laughs> but if yeah. from now on you're hearing the voice of Jesus, you're hearing Nacho Libre, you can blame Conan for that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the email, Conan. Appreciate it. This one from Ryan, also about The Chosen series. Hello, Gabe and Babe. Hello. Thank you for all that you do for the sake of the gospel. (laughs) I appreciate your ministry. I'm thankful that you are giving a review of the Chosen series, and I've appreciated your insights and thoughts. I wanted to let you know about Braylon Riggs and his YouTube channel. And in this video, he sent me a link of the video. He calls out and warns about the Chosen theology and especially the music artists that they have chosen. No pun intended. Huh. Dan Hasseltine, lead singer of Jars of Clay, and a guy named Matt Nelson. I think this video will be a help for your review and for anyone who listens. Thank you, Ryan. I haven't watched that chosen from or, or, or that video yet from Braylon, but I am familiar with his work. I've seen a, a few videos of his. Mm-hmm. And I also know that that is Dan Hasseltine, whose voice you hear at the very beginning of the show when the theme is playing. Uh-huh. Dan Hasseltine, lead singer of Jars of Clay, is LGBTQ affirming. Right. He has come out being pro-gay marriage the whole gamut, runs the whole thing. And it's heartbreaking. I mean, this is an artist that I loved growing up. Listened to the first Jars of Clay album, Much Afraid If I Left the Zoo. Yeah. Even later on, Good Monsters. Loved those albums from Jars of Clay. But they are far from Christ now. They are not the Christian music that you remember from the 90s. Right. And, And sadly, we see that with a lot of those big artists from back in that time. Yeah. Kevin Max from DC Talk is now pro-LGBTQ. Hmm. Very, very sad. Yeah. It's it's all very heartbreaking to see this happen. But that's that's the artist that's on the theme song at the beginning of The Chosen. And like I've said about the show, it's it's very ecumenical. It's kind of bringing in all different kinds of perspectives, even unbelievers that are behind this show. Mm-hmm. So you can't expect that it's actually going to be faithful to the word of Christ. They hate the word of Christ. Yeah, They're creating something that is different than what we find in the Bible. Remember last week when we played that segment of Jesus and Nicodemus talking together? Mm-hmm. And Nicodemus is bowing before Christ. Right. And Christ said, no, no, no. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't have to do that. Yeah. Even kisses his hand and quotes Psalm 2, kiss the son, lest he be angry with you and you perish in the way. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. Yeah. John three thirty six. They love John three sixteen, which mm-hmm. they quoted in that episode. Yeah. Not such a big fan of John three thirty six. Whoever has the son has life. Mm-hmm. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Yeah. In other words, kiss the son, lest he become angry with you and you perish in the way. 
whoever is not of Christ will perish under the wrath and judgment of God. And you're not going to hear that in this show. It's all very friendly Jesus. He He's always going to sound like your buddy. Right. He's never going to sound like well, your Lord. He's in love with them. Yeah. <laughs> That's just weird. Yeah. So, yeah. And all the dialogue and even the way that he delivers his lines. You don't think about this because you're just thinking, hey, well, that thing that he said there, that's in the Bible. Yeah. So he's quoting the Bible. The way he delivers the line is communicating something. Right. And he's going to portray Jesus as this buddy guy, not a person who has authority. Remember that at the end of the Sermon on the Mount... Mm-hmm. The last verse in Matthew 7, the people are astonished at his words mm-hmm. because he doesn't talk like the rest of their teachers. Right. He spoke as one having authority. Right. That's not the way Jesus sounds in The Chosen. Definitely not. He doesn't sound like God incarnate. No. <laughs> And that's one of the things to any kind of cinematic or television portrayal of Jesus. Mm-hmm. No one. Absolutely no one is going to do it right. I know. That's because we're all fallen. That's right. And and as as, with me saying that, you could go, okay, Mr. High and Mighty, well, then you give us a portrayal of Jesus. No, I can't do it right either. Yeah. That's the thing. That's it. You're missing what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm not saying all these people are peons and let me show you how to do it. That's not it. Mm -hmm. No one can do it right. Right. No one can do it. Because there's only one Christ. There's only one Christ. And what he said, what he said according to what is written down in the Bible by his apostles, that's what we need to be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. And also remembering that whatever Paul said in Romans is every bit as authoritative as what Jesus said in Matthew 5 through 7. Right. It has just as much authority. It's all the word of Christ because Christ commissions his apostles to go out and continue to speak. On his behalf, Mm -hmm. the word of an apostle is the word of Christ. Now, as I said, we weren't going to review any chosen today. However, the March for Life was just, you know, was uh, what a weekend ago or so or something like that. Yeah. And Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus, gave one of the talks at the March for Life. Okay. So we're going to play a portion of it. It's like 15 minutes. We're not going to do the whole thing. But here's the very beginning of his talk. And once again, as I said about Jonathan Rumi, he's Catholic. Mm -hmm. He does not know the true Christ, nor does he even revere the scripture. And you'll hear that in this particular talk that he gives just in the first few minutes of this. Oh, my. Hello. That was for everybody who couldn't get a photo when I was here in the front. So I'm going to post that now. Consider that a selfie. Tag yourselves. Go nuts. You ready to strap in for a minute here? I may go over, so hopefully you'll bear with me. Give me some grace. But let's get to it. God is real. How do I know this? (laughs) I'm not him. I'm not the real Jesus. Let's just get that out of the way. So you may not have picked up on that, but he says, God is real, and how do I know this? And some people, not one person, but people from the crowd responded, because you're him. Mm. I missed that. Yeah. I wondered why he answered that way. 
Hmm. How do I know God is real? Because you're him. Ah. Now, I those people probably were not serious. Right. No one was seriously thinking that he is Jesus. But this this further compounds the problem. People are looking at him as being an accurate portrayal of Christ. Mm-hmm. And there may be people that actually think he is some sort of reincarnation or representation of Christ, that, that Christ possible. is actually speaking through him. There, there may be people that think that. Yeah. But this is one of the problems with, you know, what we would refer to as iconography. The representation mm-hmm. of Jesus in these shows is a form of iconography that people yeah. will look at and they will picture Jesus in that man. Mm-hmm. There are many people who think Jesus looks like Jonathan Rumi. Hmm. And by the way, all, all of those disciples, every one of them, they look like movie stars. They don't <laughs> look like these homely Galileans who've been out fishing all day. Yeah. <laughs> that nobody wants to be around because they're filthy. You know, yeah. that's not what they look like. Even Jonathan Rumi is a good looking guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember when I was growing up learning about how uh, one of the soap opera actors or actresses um, played a evil character. And when she would go out in public, people would actually not want to be around oh, her. Oh, yeah, right. Because they thought that she was evil. And she's like, I just play the part, but I'm in their homes every day. The gal that played the Wicked Witch of the West in Wizard of Oz. Oh, uh-huh. It ruined her life. Oh, wow. She was a school teacher, if I remember the story right. Oh, that's and, sad. And she had to quit because everybody saw her as the Wicked Witch of the West. Wow. That, it, that I mean, that alone says volumes yeah. screams volumes so right. uh, i can't even imagine about him portraying jesus on this episodes on these episodes yeah and, and not they're making it into their heads there are going to be yeah there's some sort of association right right there's going to be people that'll run up to him and want him to touch them yeah because they think they may say no i don't really think he's jesus but they are going to think there's some christ quality to him right I've experienced this when I've helped people on the side of the road Hmm. and they ask me, who am I? And I say, well, my name is Gabriel. Oh, (laughs) yeah, I'm sure that confuses. I mean, this this happens like four out of five times that I do this. Somebody will go, oh, my goodness, here I am stranded. And God sent me Gabriel Mm -hmm. to help me. Yeah. I mean, even even the fact that I say that my name is Gabriel, they think some angel has responded. Mm-hmm. I've had this happen before. I'm, yeah. I'm not even making this up. Well, to Jonathan Rumi's um, credit, at least he says outright that he's not Jesus. So, I mean, yes. he could totally play he, that. He makes a distinction. He does. But, but the point Publicly. that I'm making, right, he makes a public distinction. The point I'm making, though, is that th- this is part of the problem of those. Oh, I get it, yeah. Of those, you know, the the TV and movie portrayals of Jesus. Yeah. People are not going to church to learn about Jesus. Right. They think they're learning about him through these TV shows this and movies. This is more entertaining. Yeah. And I can, I can remember these. You know? Right, yeah. TV Jesus. Real Jesus. TV Jesus. Jim Caviezel movie Jesus. TV Jesus. By the way, uh, Jim Caviezel movie Jesus is coming back. Oh, yeah? There's going to be a Passion of the Christ part two, the resurrection, I think is what it's called, or something like that. It's about (laughs) Jesus three days in hell. Oh. That's what the movie's about. That's the plot of the film. Okay. And Mel Gibson is 
still directing it. It's still written by um, Randall Wallace, same guy. I'm pretty sure he scripted the first one. Okay. He was the guy that also wrote Braveheart, Randall Wallace. Oh, okay. So, uh, uh, yeah, they're coming up with a script that they like, and then they're going to begin filming on it. I think they did begin filming on it, but that's the next Patch of the Christ film that's coming out. Mm. So, not only is Jim Caviezel not Jesus, <laughs> but what they're going to show in this movie is not Jesus either. Not even biblical. Yeah. God is real and he is completely in love with each and every one of you. How do I know this? Is it simply because my faith is the lens through which I view the whole of my reality? No. Is it because of the miracles that I have experienced in my own life and seen with my own eyes for which my faith has been the catalyst? Again, no. How do we know that God is real? Because the Bible says. (laughs) Because the Bible tells me so. There is another way that we know that he is real, of course, and it's through general revelation. So there's special revelation and there's general revelation. All right. Because the Bible tells me so. But as we also read in Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, both his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perseen, being understood through what has been made. So so they are without excuse. Mm. It's not just the fact that God is real. It's also that he has eternal power and divine nature. Right. We can clearly perceive that in all that has been made. Very true. But that is reinforced and affirmed and spoken as truth according to what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Rumi is not going to answer this question in either of those ways. He's not going to say because his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen in all that has been made. Nor is he going to say, because the Bible tells me so. Hmm. Here's his answer. God is real and he is completely in love with you because you are all here today. Well, the reality is God's wrath is probably on a good number of them. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. God is real and he is completely in love with you because you are all here today. Well... He's in love with you in the sense that he's telling all people everywhere to repent. Mm-hmm. But his love and affection is not on every person that is in that audience. Right. It's only those who know Christ, only those who know the Christ of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Rumi does not know the Christ of the Bible. Because they've been forgiven, washed clean, and able to receive his love. Yeah. God has made you righteous for mm-hmm. those who are in Christ. Exactly. But yeah, to the rest, as I quoted from John 3.36, if they do not obey the Son, the wrath of God remains on them. Mm -hmm. History has been made. Life has triumphed in an extraordinary way. And the light of the world, who is Jesus Christ, the author of life, his light has burned so very brightly within each and every one of you, irrespective of your specific beliefs, Irrespective of your specific beliefs. Okay. (laughs) So no matter what you believe. Yeah, no matter what. His light shines in all of you. Well, I mean, that's kind of what he was telling the guy. uh, What was that last week? Week before? I don't even remember when we did this. Nicodemus. Yeah, it was last week. No, about the. the, Not Nicodemus, but whenever um, they had the like response. Oh, yeah, when we were watching the reaction video. Yes, yeah, yeah. that. Um, th- when when he was telling that guy who believes in more than one God that he was, you know, okay 
where he stood type of thing. Yeah. Oh, heavens. Yes. Yeah. It was like. <laughs> Doesn't seem like Jonathan Rumi believes that anyone is unsaved. It sure sounds that way. <laughs> sounds like he just thinks everybody has. You all have the light of Christ. But remember, last week I mentioned that we the, the words of Jesus that he was saying to Nicodemus in John 3 were cut off. They mm-hmm. cut it off from the offensive part. Right. They even cut it off where Jesus was saying, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Mm-hmm. And this is the judgment. Here's verse 19, which, of course, was not mentioned in that episode. This was season one, episode seven, I remember, if I remember right. Right. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has the light of Christ. Ephesians 5, 8, you formerly were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You're either going to be children of darkness, mm-hmm. following after the way of Satan, or you're going to be children of light, following after the way of Christ. Right. And we become children of light by faith in Jesus, not irrespective of your, uh, of your uh, every yeah, belief, whatever your beliefs <laughs> oh or whatever else. Anyway, we're going to cut it off there, but you're hearing the problems. And, and this is the reason why we cover this. So you recognize the danger. This is not a harmless show. Mm-mm. And the massive popularity of this show is spreading false teaching. Yeah. There is not good teaching that's coming about as a result of this show. It is leading people into more and more error mm-hmm. and more and more unrighteousness. Now, of course, we know by what Paul wrote to Timothy that there are people storing up uh, uh, teachers to scratch their itching ears. Right. So they go after this stuff because it's, it's what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of Jesus they want. Right. They want the Jesus in the chosen. They don't want the Jesus of the Bible. They, they want the Bible that has the blackout. <laughs> like, yeah. You've already blacked out all the negative stuff and you don't have to read that. Right. Yeah. Tom and I were just talking about this. I can't remember if we tied it into the chosen or not when we were talking about this. But these people have the Thomas Jefferson Bible. It's just cutting out all the parts oh, that I don't like. Right. Blacking this stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're coming into condemnation if that's yeah. the Christ that you're after. Read that's your, your Bible. Own Christ. Yeah, right. It's a it's a human Christ. It's it's your own idol. And when I say human Christ, meaning only man and not fully God, fully man. Right. <laughs> Precisely. He is man's Jesus, not the Son of God. All right, let's get to some questions here. Yeah, let's. Because that's uh, that's really why we do this. Get a little, you know. Different topic would be nice. (laughs) But thank you for your email, Ryan. Yes. This one is from Gabe. Oh. Not this Gabe. Not this Gabe. Not this Gabe. No, not not this one on this side of the microphone. My tongue's tied up. But Gabe says, in Hebrews 9.22, the author says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Yet, in Mark 2.5 and in Luke 7.47, Jesus forgives sins before his own death and without the shedding of blood. How are we to understand the relationship between forgiveness of sins and Jesus' death on the cross? Was his death absolutely necessary for our sins to be forgiven? As far as I can tell, Hebrews 9, 11 through 28 is the only passage that explicitly connects Jesus' death with the forgiveness of sins. Though there are many passages that say Jesus dies for our sins, but do not explicitly mention forgiveness. Hmm. That's a really good question. So we really see only two places in the Gospels where Jesus says your sins are forgiven. Mm -hmm. And it's when he raises the 
the lame man from his mat, the man who's paralyzed. Right. Okay. There's that story. And then there's also the story of the woman who anoints Jesus' feet with perfume in Luke 7. Oh, right. Where, where there she's unnamed. Uh-huh. But he says to her that your sins have been forgiven. That's in verse 48. And then says in verse 50, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Hmm. So those are the only two times that Jesus forgave sins before his death, mm-hmm. raising the paralyzed man and then saying that to this woman who had anointed his feet. Now, the paralyzed man, that story is in Matthew, Mark and Luke. It's in the three synoptic gospels. Mm-hmm. But all three times, Jesus says your sins are forgiven and says to the Pharisees, which is harder for yeah. someone to say, get up, get up and walk. Right. Or for uh, a man to say, your sins have been forgiven. Mm -hmm. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority both to heal and to forgive sins. And then he tells the man, get up, take up your mat and walk. Mm -hmm. So Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. And he he demonstrates that authority by healing the man. Mm -hmm. Here's how I have this authority, because I have the authority over... This uh, over the lameness that has afflicted this man. Yeah, right. Exactly. To tell this man to get up and walk. So all forgiveness is in Christ. And that's what Hebrews is pointing us to as well. Even though we read in Hebrews nine that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Remember that what we've been reading as we've been going through this. And by the way, Hebrews is our study on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So as we've been looking at this, we've been recognizing how all of these things, the sacrificial system was a type and a shadow of the one who was going to come, who would be the real sacrifice, the one who by actually sacrificing his, his life would be the forgiveness of our sins. Right. And that's Christ. So showing that Christ is the one who can forgive sins. He, he also forgives sins before his death. Mm-hmm. Any forgiveness is given only by God. It can only be given by God. And we do see it given by God, even in the Old Testament, right. even before Christ comes and dies. Yes. Psalm 32, 1, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, Amen. whose sin is covered. Yes. In Psalm 51, David prays and asks for forgiveness, mm-hmm. and God gives him forgiveness. Right. So we do see forgiveness given by God before Christ's death, but all of it is wrapped up in Christ's death. There would not be forgiveness if not for the fact that Christ sheds his own blood and dies. Right. Very true. So the forgiveness that is given to those even in the Old Testament is applied Mm -hmm. with Christ's death on the cross. Right. Even though it hadn't happened yet. Right. Correct. Yes. So... I know that's complicated. I, you know, we can we can read that and we can say, oh, OK, well, yeah, through Christ's death, because he gave his life only through Christ are our sins forgiven. Mm-hmm. But yet, as you try to ponder the intricacies of that and the depth of it, well, yeah, then it's going to blow your mind. Right. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> we're of course, we're trying to put things on a linear timeline. Very true. But you have to think this is God who is sovereign, who reigns over all, and he is not constrained by time. Mm-hmm. If he issues forgiveness and his forgiveness is based on the blood of Christ and not on the blood, bl- the blood, the, bl- the, bl- <laughs> the blood of bulls and goats and lambs. Uh-huh. But it is it is on Christ. Then he can do that. He can apply that, even though in our timeline, that death has not yet happened. Right. But he is God and he can apply it. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I'm amazed at the fact that it, it took, what, every day, every week of sacrificing an animal, but it's only taken one Christ. 
Yeah, millions and millions and millions of animals. Yeah. Like, we don't think about just how many sacrifices were going on in the Old Testament. Right. But at the time that Solomon consecrated the temple, it's recorded there. Hundreds of thousands of animals sacrificed just in those seven days of the consecration of the temple. And that was in celebration. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Let's celebrate. (laughs) Go grab that bull. Let's go. Yep. Yeah, it's just, it amazes me. But one drop of Christ's blood. Now, now, as I said this when we were going through Hebrews, to clarify, there's no mystical property in Christ's blood. He had human blood. Mm-hmm. Right. The shedding of blood is uh, is another way of saying the giving of life. Because as it says in Leviticus, life is in the blood. Mm-hmm. So when we read about shedding of blood, we're talking about the giving of life. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, you know, there's something magical about blood. So I'm I'm speaking figuratively here. When I say one drop of Christ's blood had far more power than the millions and millions of animals that had to be sacrificed in the Old Testament. Yeah. All of that pointing to Christ so that they would see that the life that Christ gave the value, the the awesomeness of his sacrifice and what he did, because they remembered we had to do millions and millions of animals, <laughs> right. and that wasn't enough. Yeah, Christ won life, and what he did, his sacrifice on the cross for our sins, mm-hmm. how great that was. Amen. When even these animals couldn't cover it, but Christ could. Yeah. That's amazing. That, that's what that's all pointing us toward. Exactly. To see the awesomeness and the supremacy of the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, Next email, this is from James. Happy New Year. I am the auditing director in the Bank of Ghana, which is the Apex Bank of Ghana. I direct the auditing of accounting and financial data of various departments. Oh, this is a spam mail. Oh. Yeah. Why am I reading this? I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, Moving on. Pastor Gabe. (laughs) Thanks for the daily Bible study. I try to listen most days and find it to be a great blessing. I was listening to your podcast this morning in Hebrews 3. You discuss creation and the days being a literal 24-hour day. Okay, so this was Hebrews 11, verse 3, is what he's referring to. I do agree with you that it is a 24-hour day, but something you mentioned got me thinking. A part of your argument was based on how there was no death prior to sin. Do you not think that God created some animals to be predators? If we look at Acts 10, 13 to 15, Peter is commanded to kill and eat, and it says, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Maybe they were not in the garden long enough for any animals to be killed, but couldn't it be said that some animals would have eaten other animals? Thanks again for your ministry and all that you and Becky do. Well, to be clear, on Hebrews 11.3, I had based the uh, creation story being six literal days. I based that on the fact that Genesis 1 says it's six literal days. Yeah. So that's first of all where I based that. But the, but then I said, if you want to say that creation was longer than that, if you want to say that a day in Genesis 1 was actually a euphemism for uh, millions and millions of years of time, so mm-hmm. you're going to go day-age creationism or Darwinian, like, a, like a, a Darwinian model, and fit that in with a, your theological model or whatever, then you're going to run into some inconsistencies. And one of those inconsistencies, the biggest inconsistency, is explaining how death is the consequence of sin. Mm. Because Romans 5.12 explicitly states that death is the consequence of sin. Because Adam's sin, death came into the world. Right. 
And so how can you say that death is the consequence of sin if you think that the earth existed for millions and millions of years prior to Adam's sin, in which there would have been a changing of species and then species dying off and other species consuming other species and so on and so forth? There right. would there would have been death in the day-age creation model prior to sin. So therefore, death is not really the consequence of sin. Mm-hmm. The first death recorded is in Genesis 3, where it says that God made skins to cover Adam and Eve Mm -hmm. and clothe their nakedness. Right. So the understanding then is that an animal was killed, probably one for Adam and one for Eve, since it says skins. Mm -hmm. It's plural. So the shedding of blood to cover the sin, the shame of Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve. Right. That's when death came in. And then, of course, Adam and Eve experienced a spiritual death before they would later experience their physical death too right as a result of the fall or or as a result of their sin mm-hmm. so anyway that was the that was the argument that i made with regards to talking about that in in hebrews 11:3 now asking couldn't there have been animals killing each other like like why do we have lions with these big sharp teeth who would have been in the garden of eden why did they even have those big sharp teeth fruit bats have sharp teeth right okay uh, and so I shared with Brad when I responded to him in an email, I said that Becky and I were in Alaska last year. Uh-huh. And while we were in Alaska, the church that I was speaking at, Jason Lyle. Yes. Was one of the guest speakers as well. And so we attended a thing on Sunday evening with Jason Lyle. And that question came up with him. Uh-huh. So if there was no death prior to the fall, then why do we have these predator animals like even a T-Rex? Mm-hmm. If you believe that man and dinosaurs coexisted side by side by side then how was a tyrannosaurus rex with all those razor sharp teeth living in the garden of eden not eating smaller animals he throws up a picture of a t-rex with a giant watermelon in its mouth Uh uh-huh now of course this is an artist rendering but it was still a hilarious picture (laughs) there's a t-rex and a big old melon (laughs) in his mouth so he points out that uh, a lot of animals have sharp teeth to get through the rinds mm-hmm. of really thick fruit and vegetables. Mm-hmm. They're vegetarian or fruititarian or whatever. Yeah. They don't eat meat. And yet, when you look at their skulls, you would assume that's a predator. I mean, pineapples and coconut. Yeah. I can't even get through those things with the tools I got in my kitchen. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, these animals have really sharp teeth to be able to get through. Mm-hmm. Those things. Because they don't have tools. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't have opposable thumbs, yes. you know, be able to get through those things. And he had showed a picture of a fruit bat, which is why Becky gave that answer uh-huh. and, and said, what would you assume this animal is, a predator or a vegetarian? Right. And uh, uh, yeah, herbivore. Carnivore and herbivore. There you go. And uh, and everybody Vegetarian. said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just circling around. Yeah, it is, you know. <laughs> Not trying to talk like a biology textbook here. But anyway, what would you assume that animal is? And just about everybody said, well, that looks like a predator. Right. And he said, it's a fruit bat. They yep. only eat fruit. Yep. But they have these really sharp teeth. So yep. they can they can get through that. I'm wondering, what did the scavengers eat? Scavengers like vultures? Yeah, sure. Well, it's just that's just not something they would have eaten until... Until the fall. Yeah, until the hmm. fall. Okay. Just kind of curious. Yeah. They, too, would have used those sharp beaks to get through. Now, a a lot of the birds of prey and stuff like that that we see today Mm -hmm. probably didn't exist back then. I mean, we have species of animals that exist today that did not exist 6,000 years ago. That's true. And that's just through microevolution, which Mm. God actually did create 
so that there would be, you know, slight variations in the animals. It's it's not a bird changing into a dinosaur. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I guess it's the other way around. They say dinosaurs became birds. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which Jason Lyle addressed that myth, too. And he said it completely implausible. Uh-huh. Like, not even from a Darwinian model does it make sense, because there are so many physical differences between the between birds and dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So, it's it, yeah, it's ridiculous to assume. He said the, the first name that dinosaur was given, which that name dinosaur means terrible lizard. Mm-hmm. He said they got it right the first time yeah. when they called it terrible lizard, because they really are giant reptiles. Hmm. Most of them giant reptilian creatures. Anyway... So that, that's all but, fascinating. You can look up uh, Jason Lyle stuff on the Internet, and you can find even that same presentation. You right. can find that online. You were talking about the micro something or other. Yeah, microevolution. So small changes, variations. So that would be like a breed of dog. Yeah, exactly. That we didn't have to begin with. You can, you can save two dogs. Mm-hmm. So like you're talking all the animals on Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. You grab two dogs, and you have all the genetic material in that male and female dog. That you could come up with all the other species of dog that we have today. Right. Or you go to something basic like two wolves or two coyotes or something like that. Two cows. It's through breeding that we get to the various kinds of dogs that we have. Right. But they're still, you know, they're still dogs. Yes. (laughs) At no point in the breeding process does a dog ever become a cat. Right. I just thought I'd clarify that a little further. Right. Okay. All right, last question. This is from Caleb the Spy. Oh, I forgot I even put this in here. (laughs) (laughs) He says, hello, how are you growing the kingdom? The videos that you have posted are clickbait and weak in substance. You Ah. spend your time creating videos to attack teachings or things like Black Lives Matter, but you do nothing to point people to our father. No, on the contrary, just about every video has the gospel in it. I thought every video did. To some degree. No, there are some that don't. No? There are some where I'm just addressing a moral problem. Ah, okay. Or something like that. And it doesn't explicitly say repent and believe the gospel. But most of them do. Okay. Most of them do. So anyway, Caleb goes on to say, get a hobby. I I, kind of like my hobby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can tell a tree by its fruit. Amen to that. That's Mm -hmm. in Matthew 7. Notice that you don't see any real speakers for God going around making videos bashing others to try to gain exposure or momentum. Well, that's just judging my heart. Mm. He thinks that the reason why I'm doing this is to gain exposure or momentum. Yeah. I'm doing it because the requirement or the responsibility of a pastor, according to Titus 1.9, is he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, being able to give instruction in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. Uh-huh. So that is perfectly in line with my responsibility as a minister of the word. So anyway, he says true teachers post stuff for the kingdom to grow the kingdom. Amen, Caleb. And yep. I can actually show you a lot of emails that we receive who will say, and we've even read some of them, uh-huh. that you have... Uh, you have grown my relationship with the Lord because of my devotion to the Word of God yeah. and to Scripture. And calling out those false teachers who aren't devoted to the Word of God, but twist it to their own destruction as they do the rest of the Scriptures, according to Second Peter 3.16. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we do have a responsibility to get the Word right, communicate it properly, and oppose those who contradict it. That's all part of it. Yes. All part of our responsibility as disciples of Jesus Christ. So we thank you for listening to the broadcast, and we thank you for making, when we understand the text, part of your 
spiritual growth and development. Yes. And thank you for your patience today. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But don't forget about the importance of being a part of a, a local church body. Oh, amen. Find a good church to be a part of, to grow with that body of Christ. Yes. And that you may all grow in sanctification together. For as I've heard Tim Challey say, sanctification is a community project. (laughs) Yes. You can't obey the command to love one another without brothers and sisters in the Lord to love. Amen. So, yeah, again, thank you for your support. Let's pray. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together, and we thank you for our love for the word. It is because you have stirred in our hearts and drawn us to you that we have come to love your word and who Jesus is according to what the scripture says. Let us be faithful to this. Help us to love the word of God and be able to interpret it accurately and patiently and lovingly opposing those who contradict it because we love people, because we don't want to see them fall into error and potentially go to hell. We want them to repent of their sin, of their wrongful interpretations, and come to know the true Christ of the Bible and grow according to the words that we are able to read here. So help us to give glory to God in all of this. It's not about us. It is all to your glory. And then we also consider others' needs ahead of ourselves. As it said in Romans 15, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves but to please our neighbor for his good to build him up. He, uh, uh, Romans 14, 4, what was written in former days was written for our instruction that through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And it's through the scriptures we come to know Christ and have hope for the future and the glory that is to come for all who are in Christ Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So I left the, I thought I had turned the crock pot all the way off. Oh, no. I didn't. I turned it to low. So I didn't quite get it all the way to the left. So that chili cooked for like another four hours. (laughs) Uh, It was starting to smoke a little bit. I was sitting in the living room and I'm like, man, something's smelling good. I didn't think that the smell of that chili would be wafting for so long. <laughs> Walked into the kitchen. Oops. So around, like right around the edges. Yeah. Around the. A little scalded. Yeah, it's a little scalded. Yeah. yeah. I'll still eat it. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Dad asked if he could put it stuff away. I was like, no, leave it for Gabe. He likes to pick it stuff still. <laughs> I'm still grazing for a good couple Apparently hours. you're still cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta let it cook for a couple more hours. That's right. Simmer.